Happy holidays, City of Champions. I hope everyone's had an awesome few days filled with food, laughter, and loved ones. Uh, my guest this week is longtime friend and Olympic bobsled hopeful, Alicia Risling. In five short years, Alicia's grown into one of the top-ranked bobsledders in the world. The journey, of course, hasn't been without its challenges. Alicia describes the dedication and drive it takes to chase an Olympic dream and some of the unexpected twists and turns along the way. It's been a pleasure watching Alicia pursue her pinnacle of athletic glory, and I know we're all eager to watch her slide to victory in Pyeongchang. Alicia Risling, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm very good. Thanks for joining me today, right before Christmas. I'm excited to see you home uh, for Christmas. Yeah, how long are you here for? Um... Going back either the night of the 26th or the morning of the 27th. Get some so. Boxing Day shopping in first. You know me too well. Yeah. <laughs> going to fight some people off. Uh, so for those in the audience who don't know, you are currently on the Canadian National Women's, well, bobsled team and a woman, obviously. Uh, <laughs> so that's obvious. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about how that got started. Let's start with your U of A days in Edmonton here. Yeah. Um, played Panda basketball and track and field. Yep. Yeah. So I only did track and field uh, in my first year, and I didn't even really do it because I never even competed in a meet, just because it always overlapped with their basketball schedule. Um, so in 2006, I went to U of A, and I played basketball and was supposed to do track. And then after the first year of basketball, we went all the way to the national final, mm -hmm. and uh, it ended up being like super long season, heavy, hard, and then when I tried to go to outdoor for track and field, I just got injured really quickly, so uh, they said, you gotta choose, so I just stuck with basketball, because we were really good, Yeah, and they gave me way more money. <laughs> um, but You were good, the team was good, or you were also better at basketball than track, too? N no, the team was good. Oh, okay. Yeah. You were a better uh, yeah. track star? I don't think so. What, no. were, your, what were your events? What did you Mostly do? Mostly triple jump. Okay. Um, I was like mostly a jumper, but I did do the sprints as well. Yeah. But, and that I think I had more potential to be good in, but because I never did club track until grade 12, mm -hmm. I never really got to test it or advance it at all. Mm -hmm. But basketball, I had been in like the um, ID program for the national team since I was in junior high. So it was something that I played at a higher level for a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. um, and I and I fell in love with my team. Like there was no question in my mind that that was what I was meant to be doing when I was there. So Right. Um, yeah. So you went to nationals in your first year. Yeah. And got second. Lost by four. Oh. Still hurts. How'd, yeah. you, how'd you play? You sink any? Well? I was, well, no, I was a rookie, but I played. Yeah. I, not a lot, but yeah. I, I was in. Um, no, I did not get any points, though. And then you had four more years there. Co-captain co your last two years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then what happened when you finished university and call or uni ball was done? Where were you at in life? Um, so I took a year off because I wanted to write my MCAT and get into med school. Mm -hmm. Um, and that did not work out very well. So <sighs> I, I was a little bit like struggling with identity and what I wanted to do with my life and where to next. And it was almost too late to apply to most grad programs. So mm -hmm. I was kind of like, maybe I'll do the whole athlete thing again. Right. And this is like a super common problem for university athletes, you know, like having the identity crisis after you're done. Right? Uh, now I know that. I now didn't you, know that. But you didn't time. know that at the time. No, because everyone else seemed to be fine moving on with life. But. What did I, what, like, what did your close friends go into? 
like a lot of them like knew exactly what they wanted to be and like most of them went in to be teachers I think yeah and like they just walked into jobs and like had a natural transition where I was like I did more of a like I have a bachelor of science my mm-hmm. major was kinesiology and then from there no matter what I had to do a grad program because right. you know the job I did that that wasn't a job that I wanted to walk into so um yeah it was either school or sports to continue because yeah. there was no there was nothing I wanted to do right there with that degree so how did you find yourself in a bobsled? And oh, sorry, I gotta ask this: Bob Slay or Bob Sled? Can- when do you use one and when do you use the other? Canadians say Bob Slay. Okay, Americans say Bob Sled. Okay, what does the rest of the world say? Uh, their respective depend- languages. Yeah, it depends <laughs> on the language you're in. Foof and laughing. Yeah, no, definitely no. not. But um, the uh, like Bob N is German. Okay. But um, we like we we like for. In my third year, going back to this, the seed was planted in my head because they had been recruiting the track team. Mm. And then I had raced against some of those girls in high school. How It was like three years before that. But I was like, I used to beat those girls without <laughs> any training. So I kind of asked. I was like, you might want to let me try out. Right. Like, kind of as a joke because they were doing a recruiting camp in the same gym that I was training in. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, well, if you want to do this, then you got to move to Calgary. You got to do this, that. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, no chance. Like, right. I, like I just want it to be easy. Yeah. Like, no, I was like, I've been finishing my degree because that was like my number one priorities. And um, and I thought I had my next steps in life mapped out for me. But mm-hmm. um, when those didn't work out, I then decided to call them. And I had to send a message and be like, this is what I used to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm interested in the sport. Like, how do I get involved? And bobsleigh was only in your head because of that three years prior when you saw that you used to beat these girls? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever consider any other sports? Yeah. Well, hockey, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) A little late to start. Yeah, it was a little late. That was the problem. And like bobsleigh, I knew it was a sport that you definitely started when you're older. Like you can't even start until you're 18. Oh, okay. So that was like... You're not heavy enough, right? Oh, in... Because uh, the G-force is on your body. Oh, okay. And, like, this, like the thing that attracted me about this board is, number one, you get to go super fast. Yeah. And the training for it is, like, Olympic lifting and sprinting. Yeah. And as a basketball athlete, I hated basketball practice. Right. I hated it. I liked doing Olympic lifting and, like, and, like energy system trainings yeah. on the side so like I did you were the weight room training. girl not the gymnasium yeah girl. I was literally the only weight room how fast you go in bobsleigh the fastest I went was this year yeah. and it was 147.5 kilometers an hour serious yeah holy shit Whistler yeah yeah 147.5 yeah I was beaming on that day. <laughs> it was just like, you guys, I couldn't even see. Like, we were going so fast. <laughs> well, you're in such an enclosed, like, tunnel almost that it yeah. just must, like, be a blur. It, well, yeah, when you go that fast, it actually is a blur. So, you guys, when you study a track before you go in and you go down it, you, you pretty much know all the turns, right? You're not going down blind. You, you've got it mapped out in your head. Yeah, I, like, I think... You, you could do that blind, but you'd be... I you'd said you're not that. going in yeah, blind, yeah. but my next question is, could you do it with your eyes closed? Like, do you mm, know it that well? No, I could do, um, I could do Calgary with my eyes closed. Yeah. Nowhere else. And but, even then I wouldn't do it with my eyes closed. Right. You could do it well, right? <laughs> yeah. But you could get that. Like, I've, I've had, like, instances where, like, if you, like, hit your head off the front of the cowling because you went into a corner mm-hmm. on the wrong side or whatever, and, like, your visor flips off and you can barely see, and mm-hmm. you're, like... 
trying to like focus in and, and I, I can get down right. like like that. But it, but in Whistler too, like in Whistler, like the speed at the bottom of that track, you're going so fast that sometimes it feels like you can't see it and yeah. you just have to like trust your hands that they know what they're doing in the pressure to right. be able to like get through that corner. So you go really fast and then there's a couple more turns before the end when you broke that speed record or you got your speed record? Well, yeah, that's my speed record. Yeah. No, the guys in the four man this year in the World Cup race went yeah. 156. Wow. Yeah. So how do you slow down for a turn coming up when you go in that fast? Does the brakeman pull? You don't slow down for a turn. You don't slow down for a turn? No. You take it 147? Yeah. The whole thing is trying to accelerate the sled the whole way down. Okay, so what's the strategy then when you're going into a turn that fast? Okay, so the whole thing is you're trying to accelerate this the whole time you go down the track. Mm-hmm. You, The brakeman never pulls the brakes until you're done. Right. Like So... You don't want to slow down for anything. You want to try and find the fastest way around a corner to accelerate until accelerate and more and more and more. So like, so in Whistler, the top of the track, it drops so quickly that you go pretty fast, pretty start. Like by halfway through the track, you're going 130. Yeah. Whereas like some tracks, the max you even go is like 125. So, um, like when you get to the bottom, like, so from Whistler from corner 10 or nine, I guess down. So Mm -hmm. there's 16 corners and like out of 11, you're going... 140 plus and then the last speed trap is corner 15 into 16 mm-hmm. and then and then corner 16 is uphill because it slows you down and then up the braking stretch so the the strategy depending on the corner that you're going into is like sometimes the way the ice is shaped you want to go into the corner so if it's a right hand turning corner mm-hmm. you want to go into it on the left hand side so that like way up the wall kind of you're kind of like high the, the key is high before the pressure right because wherever the pressure is in the corner and sometimes corners have one pressure two pressure what does that mean what's pressure so like you know when you like when you're at your max so like think about making like a a 90 degree turn yeah like if you were running somewhere and you had to like pivot and turn yeah but like you want to make in a sled that's mm-hmm. gliding you want to make it round or here we got to do this on skates i guess all right let's do it okay. on skates <laughs> so in skates when you're skating in circles mm-hmm. and then you know like when you're you're accelerating in the straightaway and then mm-hmm. you get to the corners and then you're trying to like turn sharply through the corners yeah. and how tight the radius is mm-hmm. so how depending on how tight the radius is of the turn that you're making you're going to experience more pressure right so it's it's harder for you when you're if you want to make a 180 degree turn at the end of the ice when it then if you were skating around the boards the whole way around right? right yeah right so you ought to think about like depending on the way the shape of the corner is if you want to go in so like if i want to take a corner and do the least amount of steering because steering makes pressure so if you're going to go to so say you're going like around the end of the boards of an ice yeah okay so if i go so if we're skating around the ice i don't know which way clockways or whatever you want to be closer to the boards Mm -hmm. so if you're close to the boards you you don't actually have to like pivot as hard and you can kind of ride around the boards right whereas if you went down right into like the like the goal crease Mm -hmm. and then tried to turn around and come out the same thing right you'd have to almost come like you'd have to crank your legs and stop in order to get so the tighter the more speed you lose basically correct yeah correct so depending on the corner but it doesn't really work for all corners because some of them are shaped differently so like i when i drive the sled down i actually try and do the least amount of steering possible Mm -hmm. because every time you steer your runners you you carve the ice you're slowing the sled down right so i have to aim to go into corners and come out of them at a trajectory that is going to set me up for the next corner to try and do the least amount of that one right so you're always thinking of the next move yeah okay yeah 
That's wild. Okay, so back to the story. <laughs> so you you called them after you finished high school basketball, university basketball, yeah. sorry, and you said, I want to try out. Here's what I used to do. So you went to what, a selection camp? An ID camp, yeah. yeah. And then I had to do like a sprint test and a power clean and a squat mm-hmm. and bench press. You need to beat like the benchmarks on all those just, just to qualify. I, di- I didn't have to, like on that one, it was just more like to get data on people. So yeah. that was just like an identification camp. It was mm-hmm. just like, these people have, you know, sort of potential. From that one, I got invited to the tryout for your Team Alberta. Okay. And then in the tryout of Team Alberta, your cousin was actually at that one. Melissa? Yes. Um, <laughs> and then that one, I had like something like the second or the third fastest brakeman push time on that one. Yeah. Which... Like, I look at that number now and compare it to where I am now, and it's like a Embarrassed, joke. yeah. It's a, like, I don't even... But your first that. year, right? Yeah, and this is this is within, like, six weeks of even saying that I wanted to do this. Right, work. so this is pretty much, like, no training, baseline, like, this is yeah. what you're capable of. Yeah, so when I emailed them, I got an email back saying, we have an ID camp in two weeks, mm-hmm. and then from that, from that two weeks, and then it was six weeks to the tryout. But... This was like after me being off for an entire year of right. basketball. I hadn't seen did you train the inside of a gym. In that year? No, I didn't do anything. Seen the inside, I did yoga. I hadn't seen the inside of a gym for fourteen months. Like, How did that kill you? Not going to the gym, or did did you enjoy that no, time off? No, because when I finished basketball, I had seven stress fractures in my shins, uh-huh. and I was like, my body was ruined. Right. Like ruined. Like I didn't think I was gonna be able to do anything athletic for the rest of my life. So you just relaxed, got yourself healthy again. Well, yoga. But yeah, then I went overboard the other way, but <laughs> uh, unhealthy with the uh, mostly the booze. But That's all right. Lots of lots of people go down that road for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for a little while. But work hard, play hard, right? Yeah, we're working hard anymore. That was the problem. <laughs> All right. So, so then you, you set pretty decent metrics on this ID camp, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that took you into your first season, right? What's a bobsleigh season go from? Uh, usually starts in about October and mm-hmm. goes till February, March. Okay. It's like hockey if you're the Oilers in the Decade of Darkness. Down by the way. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Actually. Hopefully not. I was during the decade of our so I literally <laughs> smashed up her. Summer is nothing from March on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was my first year, and I, I was a brakeman that year, yeah. and then so I made Team Alberta as a brakeman, but they also offered a driving school, so it was for people who were interested in learning how to drive bob school or bobsleigh, and I was like. Well, if anything, it's going to help me understand because I didn't really know anything about the sport. No, you're like pushing and then you I didn't get know what it, the bobsled looked like. I didn't know like the equipment that went into it or mm-hmm. anything. So I did the driving school as well because then I understood what the pilots were trying to achieve by driving down rather right. than when you're in the brakeman, you just jump in the back and hold on tight and yeah. wait till someone tells you to pull the brakes. Yeah. Um, so I did that and I just like loved it. Like I loved the frenzy. I sucked at it. I was so bad. Um, and uh but it was it was fun and then i realized to go to the olympics like the there are a lot of people in the brakeman position that can work their butts off for three full years in that fourth year of the game someone who's faster stronger comes in and Mm -hmm. they get your spot because the brakemen are so interchangeable right from the pilot position it's your job to qualify the sled yeah so i was like if i'm going to do this and commit like the next couple of years to it because at that point I'd started the year before the Sochi games I would have had to start the year before that to qualify for Sochi right I was like I need to I knew I want to be in control of my own destiny and not right. leave it up to somebody showing up that year and and like being yeah that. so I was like and I you've got five years basically at that point to learn the pilot position too yeah right? 
Well, uh, no, at that point I was down to four because I did that year. Like I, that was the year. I, it took me a year to kind of figure that out. Okay. Like I did the driving school, but mm-hmm. I still competed in the races that year as a brakeman. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So after after like the international season that one mm-hmm. set, so it was like the end of January. Then I started like trying to drive a little bit more, mm-hmm. and you'll remember this because we were living together yeah. at the time. But I would come home with like massive bruises everywhere. <laughs> yeah, crashed again. Crash trophies, right? Yeah. Yeah. So walk us through a crash when you're in a bobsleigh. What happens? I'll walk you through a crash in bobsleigh. So picture like those like tin, like aluminum garbage pans that everyone had in school. You know, the big garbage cans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So put yourself in one of those and then get someone to <laughs> kick you down a hill. That's what it feels like. Like an old Simpsons episode with oh, like Barter Melhouse in there. Yeah, it sucks. Just getting rattled around, Just, don't know where you are. Yeah. Wondering if your head's gonna get chopped off. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I and it and it sucks. Everyone says it sucks more for being a brakeman. Mm-hmm. Um because you don't have as much the back of the sled is open, so yeah. you have like the two walls on the side, but sometimes mm-hmm. you get flipped completely upside down. Right. And then so your like back and shoulders can touch the ice, which is why we wear Kevlar vests. Right. Um because they prevent you from the burns. But um as a pilot in the front seat, usually what we do is we try and crawl underneath the cowling and kinda hide in there, but like there's a lot of jagged metal edges and oh. stuff that like <laughs> dig into you. So I, it's equally as bad and then sometimes as a pilot too there's there's also situations like um, if you don't know a crash is coming mm-hmm. there are crashes you know are coming and you're, you're like oh I like, screwed oh, that yeah, and yeah, you just like prepare but sometimes you don't know they're coming because like I say like you could literally can crash in any corner at any time and sometimes I've been in situations where I didn't realize that we were in that kind of danger or, or the worst or like when you roll into a corner instead yeah. of out of a corner right um, oh yeah and so just coming down over the top yeah so then in that case it, it kind of throws you off and your head might get stuck like up above the cowling yeah and then your brakeman's trying to move getting pushed forward so they actually pin you so your head gets stuck outside oh. the sled is that happening to you yes Yes, it's happened. Time for a new helmet, right? Oh, oh, yeah, your helmet just gets like... How many helmets will you go through in a season? Probably less now than when you first started. For sure. Well, (laughs) we say that, but like, I'm not having the greatest track record this year. I didn't crash at all last year, and I was like, yes, my crashing days are behind me. And then this year, it's like right back to... And what what is that? Why is that, you think? Uh, Are you just pushing harder? When I first... Yeah, when I first started, I crashed because I didn't understand what I was trying to achieve. Like, I understood a coach would tell me, you need to steer off the corner here, and I would steer off the corner. But I didn't understand that I'm actually trying to guide the sled, you know, through the radius of the corner. And I couldn't, that that feedback that I now understand and feel. and, Mm -hmm. And now when I go to a corner, I don't really look at what's the program in this corner like I don't look at like if I I go in I steer in the first third I wait and at the exit I, I squeeze it out yeah like now I go into the corner and be like I need to be high in this position so I'm able to just adjust my steering as mm-hmm. I go because I know the line I'm trying to achieve rather than right. just the mechanical it becomes more here. cerebral versus procedural right for sure yeah for sure so now when I crash and and like of the crashes that I've done this year um Two of them were because I didn't understand. I didn't have the right mental understanding of what I was trying to achieve in the corner. Mm-hmm. One of them was just sheer bad luck. Okay. <laughs> and uh, the other one, I didn't realize it was in danger. Yeah. The other one, I was like, I was being too free. And I was just like, oh, I'm flying. Like, I'm just going to let yeah. this go. And, and I didn't, I was in a part of the track that is usually quite simple. Yeah. And I didn't 
respected enough that you actually could crash there. Right. So I was kind of just like, eh, let's just yeah. let it go. And like, I could have cranked it off, but right. I was kind of like letting it fly, trying to get more speed out right. of the bottom of the track, kind of right. pushing the Playing limit fast off. and loose. Yeah. So like the, that. that's what I say. Well, that's what it. If you're not first, you're last, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So from the time you started piloting to where you are now, what, what things helped you improve the most so far over the last few years? Has it just been an accumulation of, of practice and also getting stronger and faster? Or has there been specific coaches that have really helped you along the way? Um, so to, to be a good, to win a bobsled race, you need three things. Mm-hmm. You need a fast push, you need a good drive, and you need the best equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, and the equipment part is what drives me the most crazy in this sport because we, we like it doesn't matter if you're the best athlete in the world or best athlete or best pilot in the world mm-hmm. um if you don't have the equipment which is a financial issue like mm-hmm. you're or, or it's almost like a research issue because if you're not always pioneering the newest technology and that's our deal yeah. you don't have a chance right so um in my first couple of years the way i got better was was by bobsledding i needed the seat time i needed the experience i needed to to, to just get the feedback it takes 10,000 hours to perfect your mm-hmm. your craft yeah. is what they usually say but i only go through each corner for about two seconds right so it's and really got, hard to get to 10,000 hours from two seconds and you've got no matter how much you would want to go you've only got limited access to that track and that equipment until you own your own equipment right well yeah and that's the biggest part and even your body like your body it's very hard to go down a run and mm-hmm. and have your mind because your adrenal glands are firing at right. such an exponential rate that it's in your first couple of years, especially, it's hard to go down more than twice a day, like in in like for that one minute at a time. Yeah. Um, Do you think that's a buildup factor because there's so much time in between those? Do you think if you could, ha- if you possess the technology to to go down more often, do you think you'd build up a um, a resistance to that? Yeah, and I did build up a resistance for a little bit. So in, I had one year we called the year from hell, and it was the year that we did the Winsport Academy, and I was doing like seven runs a day. Yeah. Um, but that, that, as much as I'm thankful and so glad I did that year now, because it did, it kind of put me ahead. It was almost like doing two seasons in one. Right, least. condensed training. Yeah. So but you paid a price. But like I would come home from those days and just go to my room and like shut the door, no TV, like no lights. I just like couldn't handle any stimulus. Like I would, my brain was done. Were you concussed? No. It was just like the the overdrive of your adrenals, yeah. and just like, and then your brain would just like shut down, mm-hmm. and just trying to make these decisions on a fly and like understanding. So that was that was a tough year. Made mm-hmm. it through that year, um, and then the other thing was definitely got a lot stronger, a lot faster. Mm-hmm. So then when push came in, and when you have one of the top pushes in the world, it it like it helps obviously a lot. Yeah. Um, and then the last factor that I got in last year was my new sled. New sled. Yeah. How did that come about? Uh, not easily. <laughs> <laughs> Pounded the pavement. Yeah. Yeah, sponsors, uh, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, the story goes, Team Canada got two new sleds last year. Mm-hmm. I assumed it would go to Canada 2 male and female, but it ended up going to Canada 2 and 3 male. Mm-hmm. So um, the girls kind of got shafted, yeah. and they're like, and I was like, well, can I get a new sled next year? Like, are you yeah. guys going to send us like to Olympic year with a new sled? And they said... We're not we sure. Know. Yeah. And I was like, what the heck? Like, how could you expect me to compete? So essentially the sled that team, Can- they provided me with a yeah. sled 
that was super fast in 2011. Yeah. But the technology changes so quickly that plus like, it's probably wear and tear like a vehicle, right? Like for sure. the sled loses some of its capabilities over the years. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So quickly before we go down the story of the new sled, explain how the teams work um, with Team Canada, so male and female, and then how many teams get to go to the Olympics. This is a long story. This is a long story. <laughs> well, you said like you said team uh, male two and three. Right. Versus so, male and female team two. So right. what do you mean so, by that? Yeah, on so on the World Cup circuit, our, our A-list team um, that competes, there's three sleds on the men's side and the women's side. Okay. There hasn't been this whole quad. Like um, It was just last year that we started rolling with three teams on both sides. Mm-hmm. So before, in the start of the year, and like last year, there was only one female sled and two male sleds. But okay. as us development athletes have progressed and got into the World Cup... Pushed your way onto the scene. Pushed our way up. Not yeah. a girl. Um, now now we have three and three. So right. that And that's considered a full team because right. you, on the World Cup level, each nation has a quota of max of three sleds. So women only compete in two men. Mm-hmm. So there's three women sleds of two people, but each of us have a spare as well. So there's nine females on Team Canada's mm-hmm. national team. Yeah. Um, the guy side compete in two men and four men. Right. So there's one pilot, and then they actually have four brakemen per team because they also each have a spare. Right. So there's 15 guys. Okay. Um, so we're rocking a full team of 24 yeah. athletes. And how many good sleds or best sleds does Team Canada have? Uh, like total un- underneath us? Well, like available to you guys. Like oh, of the sled, yeah. actual bobsled. Yeah. Um, I assume that's what you mean when uh, you say. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so as of last year, we had two and then got two more mm-hmm. for the two. I'm only talking about two men. Um, and then this year we got in one more and then. But so what I did was go out and get my own last right. year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that you hustle. You know? <laughs> I do what you have to do. You hard. hack the system. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we have a history in our program of athletes have done that in the past. In Vancouver for 2010, mm-hmm. most of the athletes had their own sleds because mm-hmm. they were not the ones that Team Canada were able to provide. We just didn't cut it, and that's what we thought. So, um, yeah, I took the advice of one of my coaches and, and went out and made arrangements to try and gotten a little bit of a bidding war for one the this, this sled out of Austria that I really wanted. Yeah. and. Um, How do you search for sleds like, like I did out of word of mouth? You go like Gigi or no, <laughs> sledsrs.com or no? It's it's who you know and yeah. it's, there's there's always some people that you talk to if you need certain equipment or certain right. whatever. So um, yeah, and I got my German coach to negotiate with this guy and and was able to get the price reasonable, like mm-hmm. not, not reasonable, but um, and then how I got the money yeah. was uh, I was serving in the summer mm-hmm. as I've done all the year but this was the first year that I served in a restaurant and not like worked as a bartender at yeah. night so um, I had a regular customer who came in all the time mm-hmm. like super nice guy he always kind of sat alone it was a breakfast restaurant so he always just like lived in the neighborhood came yeah. in for breakfast um, and he always like asked me questions about bobsleigh as most people do because no one really understands the sport <laughs> it's a unique one <laughs> yeah right? um, and he's like well how much is a sled and I told him and he's like so I would just need to get X amount of friends to give you X amount of dollars and you could buy a bobsled. Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah. When you put it that way. <laughs> yep. Uh, and so anyways, I ended up like hounding him and like found, like got his contact yeah. and I was like, I need your help for this. And he, he was, uh, he's an engineer who's been in unemployed uh, because of the industry right now. Yeah. Um, and so he like took it upon himself to be my little 
Booster. Fun, fundraiser and, wow. and introduced me to some of his contacts yeah. in the oil and gas industry. And the biggest thing that was that he knew who was working. So like, like that's the hardest part being an athlete in Calgary right now, or I guess in Edmonton too. But there's so many companies that were like, how can we help you? And we just have to lay off like 15 right. employees, you know? So yeah, so everyone, he, it's tough times for everyone. Right? Yeah. So he, he kind of like took the guesswork out of all that and went straight to the people and within I think like ten days, mm-hmm. I had enough money for the down payment. Yeah, and then within the was next, there a deadline there that you just there was came under? so there's a problem with the sled yeah. was they like there was three other nations that wanted it, or two other nations there was three of us in bidding for it yeah. and he's like I'll give it to you, first rights to you because we like Canada yeah like <laughs> right. um, we're Canadian yeah um, but but he's like I need the down payment by buy this and right. it, the deadline was like two weeks from when I decided that I was going to buy this sled yeah so it, it was like the most insane and it was so crazy it was such like a crazy idea where like I don't think I should even bother like yeah. this is so it's a slide cost and it ended up costing me over $90,000 $90,000 yeah that's like a that's a nice a very BMW. very nice car yeah very nice car <laughs> yeah that you can use twice a day max pretty much <laughs> literally yeah Yeah. okay so So you got this sled now is a huge improvement that's the the one variable that you yourself personally can't contribute to between the push and the drive right you know so so that was a massive massive part for it yeah so going into this season starting in september you said or october this year we started in september we started a full month early this year yeah so where are you at right now where what are the rankings at what do you need the olympics are coming up in two months pretty much month and a half opening ceremonies are in 45 days 45 days and that you have it counted down to everything. <laughs> um, where do we stand? Uh, so right now, so this is where it gets crazy. Okay. Because it's good. Yeah. Buckle up. Um, so right now, Canada, we are ranked Kaylee Humphreys, who is the gold medalist from 2010 and 2014. Mm-hmm. She's in first. Then there's two Americans. Then mm-hmm. there's two Germans. And then there's me. So I'm in sixth. Mm-hmm. World ranking. World ranking. That's crazy. Um. Then there's another German behind me, and then there's another American, and then our next Canadian's in ninth. Okay. So the problem with all only three nations being in this top nine is there's a bunch of other nations out there, but they're all behind us. Right. But um, only two nations are allowed to send three sleds to the games. So the top two nations can send three sleds. Right. And And it's based on where your third-ranked girl is. No. So right now... Our number nine girl, who's yeah. nine in the world, yeah. isn't going to the games. So you guys have one, six, and nine, yet you're only allowed to send two sleds. Right now. So we have two races left mm-hmm. that count towards qualifications. Yeah. So January 6th and January 13th. Where are those? Uh, Altenburg, Germany. Yeah. And then St. Moritz, Switzerland. Okay. So we need to get our ninth ranked girl. Yeah. Ahead of either that American in eighth or the German in seventh. Right. So. And then all three of us can go. So when you say we, like, is there something you and Kaylee can do to help that? No. No. Not really. Because as much as I want my teammate to go, like, I really want, her name's Christine. I really need Christine to get in because then we can bring more Brakeman to the games as well. Right. So then you have more options. And and obviously she's Canadian. I want us to have a chance to go one, two, three at the games. So you could bring six Brakeman instead of four. Uh, you have a correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Um, but uh, I also need to stay in front of Christine because right. of right now we only have two sleds qualified. So, <laughs> so I'm you want to, you're like, come on, catch up, but you don't want her to get past like, you. Not close. Like I want her to pass <laughs> the, like either the American or the German or both. You're right. 
But because um, at, at the start of the year we were the first nation, and then she slipped back a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it's but the the points are so close together. Like I'm like so she I've could got, jump past you. Yeah. So like easily. I got to do my job. Not yeah. pretty like. Uh, let's not say pretty easily yeah. but she could she could potentially she could. Okay. I have to do my job and, and I have to keep like where my like how I've been finishing I've had a lot of 7th place finishes this year yeah which drive me insane Un- unlucky 7 yeah I'm, uh, 2017 needs to be over I want to get out of 7 yeah. um, but if where I keep if I keep staying there I should be able to stay far enough ahead yeah. of her and I also really would like to stay ahead of that other German and American girl. Yeah, it sounds like you can get caught like, like um, standing watching. But I mean, at the end of the day, you just focus on doing the best t- race you can every single time. Uh, that's exactly it. So I can't even think about like in two races from now qualifying. Like I yeah. literally am just thinking about Altenburg on January sixth. Like right. that's one more race that I have to do, go out and do mm-hmm. well. And it sucks because that, that's the biggest difference from last year. Is last year I got this new sled. And all of a sudden, I went from like not even racing a World Cup to finishing fourth, fifth, and sixth yeah. in the world. Like in being ranked, I was at last year at this point, I was ranked eighth overall in the world. And mm-hmm. it was everyone's like, "Who's this girl?" Like yeah. it was my first year doing any World Cup races at all. Um, so that was like a big, but it was it was almost like hilarious because it was like, "Hey, I'm here," and I just right. show up and I race, and I was like, "Oh, I did well again. Great." This is <laughs> People think you're just some like pretty girl from Edmonton who showed up and yeah, tried to do it. Like, like and it was like, okay, cool. And now this year, it's kind of like, crap, I'm in six, but this person's behind me, and like, right. need to do this. You're not like, chasing anymore. You're 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 well, on defense. Yeah, but you're still chasing. Like, yeah. of course, you're still chasing because obviously, I'd love to right. move up. Like, I want to get on the podium, which in bobsleigh top six get podium. Yeah. So like. I'm always at, within a couple hundred. To, top six get podium. Yeah, so you, you finish. You finish one, like there's awards for top six. Yeah, but the like obviously one two three is gold. Right. But you coming home? Six, you want to come home with a medal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But a top six is still considered to be like elite and prestigious. And if you're if any given race you're coming in the top six, mm-hmm. it means you can do anything because yeah. the top six are usually where like. The hardware is and like and we're talking about hundreds of a second in a race yeah. it's insane yeah so you might have a secret weapon going into these games with uh your new brakeman new old brakeman yeah <laughs> so don't call her old no. <laughs> um no uh heather moyes was retired after sochi right yep and then somehow you managed to swear to come back and join the team yeah, somehow. Somehow? Do you <laughs> slid into those DMs? I literally slid into her DMs. <laughs> That's actually how I did it. How hard were you pushing? Were you, like, Was it sort of like a lob where you're just like, hey, like you should consider it? Or were you like, we need you get back here now? Um, I think n- neither of those things, but both of those things. I kind of approached it a little bit differently. Um, in August, Christine was pushing really well. Kaylee was pushing really well. And I could see that. I was like, okay, we're probably going to qualify three sleds. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and our break girls that were training with us this summer um we had two that were awesome two that were awesome and then there was a little bit of a a fallback to where the third girl was Mm -hmm. and although the third girl i thought like she'd catch up or whatever but right at the beginning off the get-go we'd have three awesome pilots and and kind of like one girl would always be a little bit behind on the push Mm -hmm. so so i was like we just and like and all of us that are in this program right now Mm -hmm. Only one of them has been to the Olympics, right. Kaylee. Right. None of us have have any Olympic experience. And would you? Would you? Uh, not that you've been there yet, but would you consider like a race in the Olympics? 
to be a totally different experience than a race anywhere else. Well, considering this year, how different this year has been compared to any other else, I mm-hmm. can't even imagine how different World Champs is going to feel at the Olympic Games versus even World Champs last year. Right. And, like, World Champs is no small feat because at least in World Champs you're racing against the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, the Olympics, it's like there's going to be, like, teams there that are there because they're representing an area that doesn't have as much representation so they're not necessarily the best in the world right so like for instance the nigerian girls Mm -hmm. just started bobsledding last year right and they're still in the olympics they're going they're the only ones who have their ticket completely punched because they're the only african nation so if it were just purely based off skill and ranking then it would just be pretty much canada u.s and germany and a few other countries well there would be like because it taught 20 sleds would qualify but canada u.s and germany would dominate right yeah would canada send like more than three you can't no but if you could like if it were just purely based off like points Uh, that would that would be a good question i'm not sure because our girl who our fourth girl Mm -hmm. um where is she overall she's around 30th okay in the world so it's hard to tell so what is the point for having to include other nations that even if you can it's like team canada like why can't we feel two Canadian hockey teams, you know? Right, right? yeah. Is it just to open up the competition and give them exposure and try and encourage growth in those sports all over the world? The Olympics is supposed to be like more of an equal representation of the world coming together Mm -hmm. to compete, right? Right. So you can't just have like, oh, this nation's super good at this sport, so let's just pump them full of that nation in, right? So like I understand it in that perspective. Mm -hmm. Like that's why you have like swimming and you have – you know, some people that are finishing 30 seconds behind the winner or yeah. in the heats or whatever. And it's like, well, what are they doing? They have no business being there. Yeah. But they represent a country that doesn't have a strong showing in the sport, but mm-hmm. they're still there to represent their country. Yeah. Yeah. So you so you convinced Heather to come back by mm-hmm. just saying, hey, we need your experience. We need someone who's been there before because that, we're one out of six have been there, right? That That's 100% what it was. It was like... You know, like, I don't know if you even considered coming back or if you came, if you would think, but I just wanted to let you know, like, what I have to offer in regards to how I run my team, just Mm -hmm. because, like, the way that she competed with Kaylee, I think, was a much different experience than what she has competing with me, just in regards to how Kaylee runs her team. So, like, I run my team. So, the the pilot runs the team. Right. Like, I'm, like, the captain of the team. I'm, like, the coach of... Or not the coach. I'm the captain of my team. Okay. So kind of like, you know, the way I, I'm very low key. Yeah. Um, I don't stress a lot of the small stuff. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, it's fine. We'll worry about it later. Or, right. you know, like obviously I'm very competitive and and like things have to be done right. And yeah. when it comes down to You're a not race, a control but, freak. But that's that's the difference. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not saying that's right or wrong because maybe there are some things I probably should care a little bit more about that I don't. Yeah. But but it's just this is who I am yeah um this is what I stand for this is what I'm trying to accomplish um I I'm missing this like I'm missing your expertise I have been told that this year is gonna be unlike something I've ever expected and I um because Kaylee is a competitor Mm -hmm. um she doesn't she's not it's not her job to be my mentor you know like we're, we're we compete against each other we'll never be in the same sled yeah so I like that's more or less what I was missing and that's kind of the what I presented to Heather yeah I was like would you be interested um I didn't know if she'd been at gym or like if yeah. Where is she? Because she's how old is she? Thirty eight or thirty nine? Thirty nine. Thirty nine. Yeah. So where is she physically compared to when she competed she's almost insane. four years ago? She's insane. She's still a rock star. Like, she walks in the first day I met her. Like her body 
she is so jacked. <laughs> and I'm like, you, you've you never been training? She's like, no, I've, like, walked to the grocery store. Like, and I've heard, like, from, like, our coaches and therapists and everything, they're yeah. like, this girl is a freak of nature. Right. Like, she's not a normal human being. <laughs> like, this isn't what normal is like. So, um, if anyone could, could make a comeback in that short of a time, yeah. um, it would be her. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, and she she wasn't 100% because she had like some back pain and that sort of deal so it mm-hmm. kind of took her a little she wasn't ready to go for the start of the year right um, so she had to test to, to like we have push testing that's mm-hmm. how you officially make the team mm-hmm. and it had to be open to everyone so she wasn't able to, eligible to do that and yeah. to race until the end of November and that's individual pushing right correct so that's how you determine like if it's the brakeman or the pilot who's slower or quicker correct yeah which also isn't a very good representation of things because it is a team sport and when you push a sled individually is mm-hmm. no matter what it's going to weigh more than what you would be pushing by yourself right um but it does that's how we do it that's yeah. the best way we can do it because it's really hard to measure how much force actually someone's putting into <laughs> a bar when you're pushing yeah. together um but yeah that's how so then she tested uh at the end of november mm-hmm. and was 100th away from her personal best which was just before sochi <laughs> Which was insane. So four years ago, and she hadn't trained in that time. She's done not, like, nothing, insane. except for the last, like, yeah. like since, since and even in August, she mm-hmm. wasn't even, she was hemming and hawing. Like, she hadn't committed yeah. until she booked a flight September 2nd. Yeah. Like, that was, like, when she officially committed to Booked a flight to? To Calgary, okay. to come out to try. I thought you meant to, to Korea. I was like, oh, that's ballsy. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. And, I, and then also, I thought, like, you've got to book your own flights? That sucks. Yeah, no. Um, she was in PEI, like, yeah. living at home, and she has been doing a bunch of public speaking and stuff, so mm-hmm. then she decided to commit and come out in Calgary and start training. Nice. Yeah. Um, so you guys spent a lot of time together then from that point on? Well, not a lot because she got out there at the beginning of September and then two weeks later I had testing and mm-hmm. then she stayed in Calgary to start testing and I, September 26th, we, we raced You're on the in circuit. Calgary yeah. and then as a, an evaluation race and then I was gone. Like yeah. I went to Whistler, then I went to, then I went to Korea, mm-hmm. then I was like in Lake Placid, Park City, Whistler, back to Park City. Like I didn't see her until we got to Europe. Right. Um, December 1st. And you guys are supposed to race together. Yeah. So you had never like hadn't trained together or really no. done anything. No. How does it work divvying up the pilots and the brakemen on a team? So say Team Canada sends three sleds for mm-hmm. women. How does that work? Does the do the automatically fastest get assigned? How fast the brakeman or the fastest pilot, or do the pilots get to choose? Um, I think for the most part, our coach we have a strong coach leader this year. Mm-hmm. It's kind of he his way or the highway. So he's been implementing the way teams are going. Yeah. And he so, coaches all three of you guys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's kind of oversees the whole program. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with Kaylee, with her success, she's earned the right to like, she chooses her brakeman or work or collaborates with the coach on who mm-hmm. she would like to race with. Um, and then kind of everyone else is kind of divvied out accordingly. There are situations where we've, flip-flopped break yeah. in and tried different things and um it's just based on ranking and but also based on the beginning of the year i couldn't race with one of the girls because we were both too heavy oh, okay there's also a weight there's um, the weight component. restriction right yeah and that's a relatively new thing in the sport the weight restrictions uh, 
the weight restriction was recently lowered two right. years ago. So that made it a little bit more complicated. Right. Before it was like kind of like, man, if you had problems making weight, you were a big human being. Right. But it was pretty much like no one, I, I read your post that you did two years ago, um, yeah. but pretty much no one would be at their ideal power at that weight that you could be at, right? Well, the problem was with the way the sports developed is now all these athletes like that started the sport, say like when I did even mm-hmm. five years ago, or even people who have been in the sport for 10 years plus like you've been in the sport and like putting your body specifically through the training to to gain that muscle mass to Mm -hmm. be bigger powerful and more strong Mm -hmm. um because that was what it was as an athlete you always want to have the heaviest athletes pushing the lightest sled right right so then at the bottom you still make the weight limit but then like you're able to have a faster push time. So right. when you, if you're a tiny little athlete and you got to push heavier sled, mm-hmm. a you got to push heavier sled, so it's not going to be as fast. Yeah. And b like you're tinier, you so you don't have as much power. Yeah. So like um, so all these athletes have like like gotten big essentially. Mm-hmm. Like everyone who comes to Bob's like you get big because yeah. you you want mass moves mass. And so then they changed the weight limit, right. and it was like halfway through a summer that they changed the weight limit, mm-hmm. and everyone's like. I just went through like all of the gains on yeah. purpose and now you're telling me I got to lose it? Like what the heck? Just kidding. Yeah. Time to take that off. Yeah. So that was a little bit of an issue and it, it is still a, a little bit of an issue um, for me being, I'm one of the tallest girls in bobsled. Yeah. Like I think there's one German girl who's taller than me and one Russian girl who's like six one, and then I'm next. Does it give you an advantage being taller? Uh... Yeah, I think it does for based on just because of my running mechanics. Yeah. Like I take longer strides, long strides yeah. which are really good for powerful strides. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why I'm, that's why in general I'm a good pusher. Yeah. Um, but there are like shorter athletes that are incredibly like quick. Right. It's like that Just Canadian guy. Legs. Yeah, the Canadian guy who was neck and neck with Usain until like the last little bit. The grass. Yeah, the yeah. grass, and he got blown away. Yeah, but you can't. Sometimes you just can't overcome the the pure genetics of it, right? Well, that that's the difference, I and mean, it's like as long as you you're training to suit your running style or your mm-hmm. mechanics, and like that's the difference. And like that's been a hard part for me too, because I'm in this sport with a bunch of girls that are five six, five seven, and I'm almost five eleven. Yeah, and and so for me to like train the same energy systems and try and push the sled the same way that they do, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. Like mm-hmm. I'm at my best when I'm bouncy, long, and, yeah. and like athletic, whereas like not like a powerful piston mm-hmm. step. So that's why I get in a little trouble because it's like I try to do the same workouts as everyone else, but I do have such a different body type. Right. But however, now Heather Heather has the same body type as me. She, is she your height? Yeah. Yeah. She's oh really? Yeah. So is it? it's better to be lined up with someone about your same height because then your strides are kind I of I never really same. would have known that because yeah. I've never really pushed with anyone my height and now yeah. this year both my brakemen between Heather and the girl I was racing with to start with Kristen mm-hmm. Kristen's 5'10 as well so we have like the tall team yeah. <laughs> and, and it's crazy how much I notice our steps now match Insane. like before yeah. like before and that shouldn't really actually matter as long as you're pushing hard and loading hard mm-hmm. but like when we're pushing i can actually feel that we're both applying the same like distance yeah. on our, our steps. i think it would make a difference it's like rowers right i like, didn't even think about it rowing like at the same time so. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you first row the right side of the boat yeah 100 percent I never thought about it like that, but it, it was weird that mm-hmm. last the last race in Eagles is when I noticed it. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Whoa, we're like we're in sync on yeah. this push, like nice. with, our, with our stride length." It gives you even more confidence, so like, I can do this. Yeah, 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 and it just you can feel the sled like accelerate a little mm-hmm. bit better. So, 
What percentage would you say you're going to Korea? Is it 100%? I don't, I was afraid. I don't, people keep asking me this question and yeah. I don't want to put it. Okay, so let's let's go a different route then. Okay. Let's talk about, have you done any research on your own or has the team done any like preparation talking about Korea in terms of like, these are the things you need to look out for. Don't get conned by these types of people at the game or like, this is what the athlete's village is like. Like what, what what's, what's the book on Korea for you right now? Yeah, like I, so... We're, we're planning like I'm going to Korea. Yeah. So um, we I've done a lot of COC. They've like given us like in services instructions. I went to the media summit in the summer where they like super awesome. They tell you what to expect. Yeah. Like what they show you pictures of like with the village. I've been to Korea twice now because mm-hmm. we've been there to learn the track. Right. Um, so got to see the, the venues a little bit and like know everything and like expectations. Mm-hmm. What to wear is right. a big one. Um, like in terms of appropriate for the weather or appropriate to be a Canadian athlete? No, to be a Canadian athlete. Okay. There's yeah. very like clear who's, who's the Who's the um, Canadian team sponsor this year? It's always HBC. Always HBC? Yeah. So they got good stuff. Yeah. I've, I've seen the kit. It looks unreal. Yeah. Really so when do they send that out? Uh, it would be when we get... So we're doing a 10-day holding camp when we come back from, from Europe like at the end of January. Mm-hmm. And then we'd leave February third to go to Korea. Okay. And we get it in between there. Okay. Yeah. So when do you like when when are the results in? When do you? I'll know January thirteenth. January thirteenth. Yeah. That's the date of the last race. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. So you've got two I, more. Like, there is like a couple scenarios where like I could know, like for instance, if I won Altenburg, mm-hmm. if I won my first World Cup race, yeah. In in January sixth, I'd be in. Okay. But. So that's the goal. That, yeah. That's what you should. Uh, so basically, my goal is to win every single to, race. My goal is to win every race, but yeah. like I really want to win this race. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what are you doing personally from from now until January when you have these more races? Is it status quo, diet, training? Yeah. Uh, so because I hurt my foot in the Eagles, I've been like therapy, therapy, mm-hmm. sticking on well, that. I'm supposed to say foot. You say lower body injury. <laughs> right. Oh <LBI>. yeah. <laughs> not like other sports where they can take you out there yeah. you know like you never have any physical I don't know, you might meet someone else. they might kick you right oh, tonya harding you <laughs> oh, <laughs> they have a new movie coming out for that have you seen the trailer oh i think i did margot robbie's that. playing her really yeah and she looks insane wow yeah okay i'll be seeing that <laughs> um yeah no so like christmas christmas is a good time to like reset because sometimes you have to like take what you need from outside the sport as well and and mm-hmm. coming home and just like refilling your your energy tank with your family and friends yeah. and and kind of resetting for that is what you need because like we go back on the 28th and it's it's like yeah the most stressful next three weeks ever so mm-hmm. um and then on top of that then it gets a little bit overwhelming with the game stuff coming mm-hmm. up so uh yeah i like train today like i was at the gym this morning and then i will be tomorrow i'll take Christmas day off. Are you still trying there. to build or are you just maintaining where you're No, at? so it's been mostly maintenance right now. I did do like a super hard workout today just because it's like we have like a race next, today's Saturday, right? Yeah. So like I, I have two weeks to the next race instead mm-hmm. of like the usual just one, like we usually do one race a week. Yeah. So most of the season up until this point when season started from when we transitioned from preseason to uh, it is maintenance. And so right now I'm trying to like mostly speed work Mm -hmm. is really important because it's really hard to do when you're on the road because you don't always have a running track and then you don't always want to go run outside in three feet of snow because it's just you can't get going (laughs) your legs don't turn over you mean mean your training's not actually like rocky (laughs) it's in the siberia wilderness in russia sometimes it feels like it like we like 
um, I don't know if you've seen like my Instagram post, but like we lift weights in garages. Like yeah. we bring weights around and, and smash them in garages and we're like hotel places where you're not allowed to drop them and you're like trying to like hold a hundred kilos up and you're like, Oh God. Um, the last thing you need to get injured cause you're not dropping Cause you're not dropping weights. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we, you, you find ways to train. I remember at world champs two years ago, um, the snow was so crazy and I, I'm embarrassed to admit I can't drive standard. Oh, okay. So the car we had was standard, and so I couldn't get to like our other hotel where the weights were at. So I went outside and found like a massive rock and yeah. was doing med ball throws with the rock. Like that's badass, though. Right? That's, that's really that's, aggressive. That's the bobsled. Like yeah. if anyone ever told you bobsled is glamorous, they're lying. No. It is a grind. I don't know that anyone would ever qualify it as glamorous. Well, I mean, it seems like glamorous because it seems like it's like the F one of sport. Right. Right. Because you get have, your like, nice pretty sled. Yeah. yeah show like, up at the, the top. Technology is so important. And like <laughs> yeah, your spandex and oh, but. What is one thing you know now or feel now about this sport that you really didn't see coming when you started? Uh, how much money it was going to cost me. Yeah. Like, if I, if you, like, remember the first question was, was there other sports you were considering? It's yeah. like hockey. Yeah. But it, I was like, hockey's going to cost too much money. At the start, you thought it'd be hockey. Yeah. 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 And then I got into this sport and mm-hmm. I was like, if I would have known that I would have spent even, even like a mere fraction of what I've spent on this sport, mm-hmm. um, I would have never started it at well, any Sometimes point. ignorance is bliss, right? Right. But <laughs> like, and then you get to a point, like last year when I bought the sled and mm-hmm. I was like, I can't afford to do this and like, or go into this much debt for this sport that like, I'm supposed to be doing a career, have a career. And then said, yeah. I'm just racking up debt. So yeah. like play this little game so I can go to the Olympics. But <laughs> and you don't even get a piece of paper at the end that says you've got this degree now. It's right. Like, like, or anything like that. Um, but, but at the time, but last year I was like, but if I don't do this, mm-hmm. then the last three years that of money that I've put in yeah. or like late nights or like working two jobs or yeah. whatever I was trying to do to get by, then mm-hmm. that was all for nothing yeah. because I've come, too, I've come too far yeah. that I can't not yeah. like make the investment to go even further. And, mm-hmm. and like so far it's paid off and I just two more races and mm-hmm. it will all be worth it. Right. So, yeah. um, what have you taken from your career bobsledding that you will, that will stick with you past bobsledding? Are there certain life lessons, certain friendships, like like what will you utilize when your bobsledding career is done that you that you've gained from it? Well, the the one thing that was so unexpected that I've learned is the thing, the business part of things that I've learned from bobsledding. Mm-hmm. I've learned how to do business proposals for sponsorship. <laughs> I've learned how to create my own business, do taxes for a business, like yeah. all of it, like because I had to make myself into this corporation so yeah. that people can give me money and be able to get a tax and get, rate and get, well yeah exactly yeah. get a tax rate or how can I make myself or sell myself and brand myself mm-hmm. like all these like marketing strategies and stuff that I've had to learn mm-hmm. in order to survive essentially like I needed to live money like yeah um and and I, I feel have been far more valuable than even my degree. Right. Like these are life. I know it absolutely. <laughs> like a hundred percent practical work experience is is For far sure. more useful than than a you know an education in the classroom. Right. Yeah. It's been incredible. And in like friendships wise, like I've I've made friends with people all over the world. Mm-hmm. When we go somewhere, it's so nice because I I get to hang out with the Belgian girls today, yeah. or like I get to hang out with like this team today, or. Like we have friends and, and although none of them I would consider like a close friend, but they're mm-hmm. definitely people. If you go to that side of the world, you can call up and they show you around and take you in. And that part's been super nice and yeah. like a really great experience. I've got to go 
all over the world. Mm-hmm. I, well, like I've, I spend six months of the year essentially traveling. Mm-hmm. So I'm really good at living good life. Good lifestyle, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and some people hate it, which mm-hmm. is like, that's how you know you're not doing the right sport, but I yeah. absolutely love it. So like, that's how I know I'm doing the right thing for me right now. Right. Yeah. What, um, what changes need to happen in the sport in your mind? I think, um, some people don't like that this but I think we need to go to standardized equipment mm-hmm. I think the sport is dying and it's really hard for nations that aren't Canada US and Germany mm-hmm. to keep up because we we put the the resources into finding the newest latest technology or coming up um, building new sleds and that sort of deal and it makes it really tough for the smaller nations like ones like Brazil or even like the Nigerian girls or or um, and especially on the women's side the women's side is dying because it's a chicken and the egg thing so like there's not women it's hard to recruit women into the sport because essentially for the brakeman position like you're one of how many girls that we're trying to recruit Mm -hmm. and you only have maybe two or three spots to race in the Olympics but if we had a four man event then all of a sudden we could recruit a bunch of girls because you're fighting for one of 12 spots in the Olympics. Yeah. Um, and then, but then there's not enough funding for the sport because mm-hmm. there's not enough girls, but there's not enough girls because there's not enough funding right. to feel the women's And there's not that excess of, of uh, role models too, right? Like they're not seeing all these successful female bobsledders yet. Mm-hmm. There's been a couple, right? Yeah. That yeah. are pretty famous, but you, it's, it goes in so many different directions. Yeah. So I think for, like for us, ideally, which is what they've done. So they've introduced para bobsleigh. Mm-hmm. So what they are is, is a mono bob. Mm-hmm. So it's one a one person bobsleigh. <laughs> okay. And any para athlete can go in it. Cool. And they launch them off the top yeah. at like a, a uniform thing. So they all have the same start speed. Yeah. And it literally just comes down to how good they are at driving down. Interesting. So they all are in, they draw. Launch out like a cannon. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> they totally amazing. do. So they, but they have, they, every week yeah. they draw for a sled. Mm-hmm. All the sleds are created the same, okay. but you just draw for a sled so yeah. that you have so to you're always every interchanging. Week. But they all drive the same. Yeah. And then, so I think for it as like athletes, mm-hmm. like if we, if all we had to do was push fast and drive well, mm-hmm. and we didn't have to worry about playing games on how to polish your runners the best way to like right. make it in like, we showed up and you get that sled, you get that sled, you get that sled. Yeah. Then it really just come down to a feat of athleticism athlete, and, yeah. and not like a game that turns it into so expensive. Right. So if like the IBSF, which is International Bobsleigh and Skeleton Federation, if they just like bought a bunch of sleds yeah. and every week you draw and you get this sled right then that would just change the game i think completely right. because all of a sudden more it would be open to a whole new like band of audience but the funding isn't there to do that right like and i don't think they want to do that because mm-hmm. there are so many people who like like are in the game of trying to find the new mm-hmm. the newest technology or the latest technique on how to make your runners faster or right. whatever what is the technique to make your runners faster? I'm not going to tell you then. Well, it's not. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, your like, homemade I, sauce, eh? Everybody, everybody has their own way of doing it, you yeah. know? And, like, and, and I definitely know my way is not the best way. But okay. I just cry. I'm trying to, like, buddy up with other nations. Be like, hey, 
So how do you do your runners? So it's pretty cutthroat, eh? It's so cutthroat. Yeah. There was like, like even within my own team, like I don't know how Kaylee or Christine polish their runners. You guys don't do it as a team. No, That's no. Insane. Every because we're competing against each other. I know how all the guys do it. Yeah. But and they all do it differently as well. So right. I kind of have a little mix of all of their. So how did you but, first learn? Like who taught you the first one? Uh, when I first learned, I just did it the way that the pilot that I was with did it. Right. Who had learned from whoever. Right. And then it's kind of I, a neat aspect of it, yeah. though. It's very, it's like, it's like it a lineage past. almost, yeah, right? You can totally. trace, like, oh, you did it this way, and then my great grandfather did it this yeah, way. Yeah, totally. But then last year, one of my coaches pulled me aside, and he's like, "Your runners look terrible." Oh no! And I'm like, "Well, I don't know." It's like, a good news, bad news situation because I'm still in this position despite my shitty runners. Right, right. Now I can only get better. So teach me. Right. Yeah. So then, and so he, and he. It was my coach who had won a bronze medal in 2010, and mm-hmm. like obviously he's been polishing runner for a long time. He's like, okay, this is what you need to go buy. Mm-hmm. This is what you need, to, and then I'm going to teach you. So I had to go spend. I spent like two grand. Oh, yeah, on runner stuff on on special types of sandpaper and oh. paste and uh, yeah, that's a lucrative business. Yeah, and then uh, he taught me how. How he do you did put his. that on a Christmas list? Like, so I'm looking for this special polyox thing. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Stocking stuff, right? Yeah. It was just, yeah. So, yeah, so I, pretty much your list for Christmas is cash. Everyone just gives always, you so cash. That's all it's, all, yeah. all it's been since I've started this sport because... Mm-hmm. Or a new ballot slide. Right. Not that you need it now, though. No, yeah. definitely not now, right now. But that's what it's the last couple of years. It's like, well, what do you need? I'm like, I need food. Like, <laughs> because all of the money I spend goes, yeah. like, towards this. And, like, this is, like... This is the first year that I will not be in debt right. from bobsled. And I'm not saying I'm making a lot of money by any means, but mm-hmm. at least I'm not in the hole. Right. X so amount of dollars. You put in the time. You put in, like, like slumming it for a couple of years. Yeah. And now you're finally, like, it's becoming worth it. Yes. That's yeah. awesome. Good well, for you. Well, and no matter what, throughout this whole process, no matter how bad it seemed, I still love it. Yeah. I still love the sport, so. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So where can people follow your adventure? Where can they find you? Uh, I'm mostly like pretty diligent on my Instagram. Okay. So it's at Riz Bobsleigh, R I Z Z Bobsleigh. B O B S L E I G H. Yeah, that's the one. Bobsleigh. <laughs> um, and yeah, so you can find you there. They can. I do have a website. What's your what? Your website is out of date. I know. Like you had two I'm blog sorry. posts from 2015. I know. I really need to do that. It makes it really hard for the interviewer to do research. I know. But at least I have on there like how how bobsled works. That's true. But I do like that's the most that's the best part about the website is yeah. like it's like what you what you need to know. Yeah. There's another uh, skill you learn from it. Right? Yeah. Website. See, website that. Yeah. Uh, updating it's a whole other thing. Yeah. But it is really hard to do sometimes in Europe when you're like, oh, the Wi-Fi isn't so great. But mm-hmm. so when are the when are the um, the World Cup of or the, or the World Cup in January? Is it called something different? Well, yeah, World Cup. So they're World January third and thirteenth. Sixth and thirteenth. Sixth and thirteenth. Okay. Yeah. So watch for you then. Yeah, and then there'll be one more race after that on the, but that one won't count towards actually qualifying for the games. It will count just towards your start order at the games. Oh, okay. Which is very important because yeah. the Korean track, just the way the ice is there, it's, like you want to be, right? you want to be early. Oh, you want to be early. Yeah. Unless it's snowing. Then Unless it's late. snowing, then you want to be late. Yeah. So you want to be right in the middle. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> is ideal position middle? I can't, no. Ideally, you want to be earlier, but okay. but there. It's a little bit better covered there than it was on the track that we got 
ruined on the snow tra- snow race. Right. Some some tracks are worse for snow than others. Like some will just it will be the end of you for right. snow, and some of them it won't make that much of a difference. Okay. Um. But yeah. It, but like there's the only one that's the opposite is St. Moritz. So yeah. in St. Moritz, you want to be as late off as possible. Okay. Because that that's the only track that's made out of natural ice. Yeah. So like they build, they shape the. So when when you're one of the first sleds to go down, yeah, the ice is almost like pebbled because mm-hmm. it's like it's not concrete underneath and it's not like right cool to a certain temperature. It's literally just how it is outside. Just natural ice. So it's like the more sleds that go over it, the slicker. Then it gets. Like, yeah, the slicker ah, gets. So you want to be later off there. Oh, okay, good tips of the trade here. Yeah, good to know. And uh, what do you think, 2018 for my first ride down the track with you? Can we do that at some point? Well, can you come on the 27th of December? I cannot. Oh, okay. Well, I can't <laughs> Is that, that family day? That, no, like in next week? Yeah. I'm taking some sponsors down. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sponsor day. Do I have to pay to get into that? I'll take you. Yes. Okay, well, we'll talk about it. <laughs> All right, I'll let you get back to your day. Thank you for joining me. See you later. Adios. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks to everyone who helped make 2017 one of my best years yet, filled with tons of change, lots of excitement. I hope everyone has a fantastic New Year's and big plans for 2018. We'll see you in the new year.